All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Gents Talk. We got with us Nick Bateman. What's going on, brother? Thank you for having me. How you doing? I'm doing good, yeah. That's a dope jacket. <laughs> <laughs> What's the story behind this jacket? Uh, it, it's funny. It was just uh, in L.A. I think it's Diesel. They were giving away stuff to influencers and that type of people. And uh, it was on the rack, and there was only one of them. And my, my wife at the time picked it up, and she's like, this is mine. I'm like, not a chance. <laughs> and then I, I took it, and uh, it's, it's super light, too, which is great. Free, free ad for diesel there. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, it's a great jacket. Well, that's awesome. Well, listen, we're excited to have you on. Um, been following your story along, and uh, some interesting tidbits. Um, firstly, you just moved back to Toronto not that long ago, about a year. About a year ago, yeah. Yeah. What was that process like? You were in LA before. Yeah, no, I was living in LA for almost eight years, and I just having two kids now realized that uh, I want them to grow up in Canada. I grew up in Canada. I was born in Burlington, Ontario, and a proud Canadian. I was just in L.A. one day thinking, "Hmm, all my family's in Canada. All my friends are here. I've got friends in L.A. too as well. But, um, you know, with things changing in the world as they are, I want my kids to have kind of like a more homey feel and not have to worry about any, like, danger in Los Angeles. Is the the crime rate, and I've been reading up on some of that, it sounds like it's getting worse there. It's Yeah, it's unfortunate. Like, I'll always love L.A. There's beautiful things about it, and I just, you know, sex trafficking and crime and school shootings, it's, it's, it's sad. There's a lot of beautiful people there, but there's a lot of sad situations that happen that I just don't want to put my family in those possible situations because that stuff happens at a fraction in Canada, so. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, you, I read in your bio that, <laughs> firstly, your the bio you sent me said you wanted to become a Ninja Turtle because you had a, a, an affinity for karate. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I say this in every interview, but yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I wanted to be a Ninja Turtle and then four years old, my mom was like, okay, I'll put you in karate and I was horrible. I got kicked out of like every karate school. And, because you were bad or you just I were just, not listening? I didn't both. Okay. <laughs> I, I had severe ADHD when I was a kid and I couldn't focus on anything. They'd be like, line up. And I didn't want to line up, so I didn't line up. And they're like, bow. And like, they'd say, oos. I'd say, goose. And uh, finally got sent to the side of the class, kicked out of one, kicked out of two. And uh, I don't know why my mom kept bringing me, but she toughed it out and did. And I'm thankful that she did because it kind of gave me the backbone and discipline and really structure for my life of who I am today. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how I started. Very cool. And you, you opened up your own school at one point. Yeah, no, I loved it. Um, it's one of the best things I've ever done because I would mainly teach children and taking kids who had like no confidence and tur- turning them into leaders was so cool to see. I had one kid, his name uh, is Ethan, came when he was like three years old. He wouldn't join the class and his parents were like, oh no, okay, well, it's not for him. I'm like, no, 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 just bring him one more time and let's see if I can get him in the class. And I was able to like coax him into the class. I made it like super fun. I called it my little dragons class. It was three to five years old. And in two years, that kid was my best student. And he was leading a class of like 20 other kids who were like ages up to 12. And he'd be like, line up. And all these kids would line up. And this little five-year-old was leading 20 other kids. And I'm just like, oof, that's awesome. Just seeing the confidence change in him that was like one of my favorite things i've ever done he was one of many but 
it was so fulfilling to be able to do that. So, no, oh, that's awesome. What was the? You said that teaching them to become leaders. What was it there? What was the the? What's the word I'm looking for here? Like, what was that moment where you can tell that this person has leadership qualities, and how do you bring that out of them, especially at such a young age? Yeah, I, I think personally, every person has leadership qualities. They just need to believe in themselves. Because um, like even for me, I remember it's like 11 the first time my cross was like Nick get in front of the class you're teaching the first 10 minutes I was like froze and I'm like no 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 and I, I'm embarrassing to say but I'm pretty sure I might have cried a little and they're like and I was like I don't want to teach it and then after a couple times getting over the fear I was used to teaching and leading and I just I think people need to believe in themselves so I would see these kids and I would all give them an equal chance to like have their time to be a leader and and I would pick different kids every time. Be like, you're running the first 10 minutes. Because it's super important to teach kids leadership skills. Because in life, you need to be able to lead, have that confidence to take a group. And But yeah, it, uh, it would differ from kid to kid. Very cool. Yeah. What is it about karate over, let's say, taekwondo or something that you would... Like if you had to choose... If you pick which one you said you karate, right? So uh, I, I gravitated, gravitated towards karate, but... It doesn't matter what art you take, mm. as long as it's like a pure form of it. If you get like a like uh, Taekwondo is from Korea, it's Korean. If you get a really good Taekwondo practitioner, they're so they're amazing. Their mm. kicks are just insane. If you get a really good karate practitioner from Japan, um, they all have upsides and strengths and weaknesses to the art. But it, it's mainly your teacher. I would much rather have a taekwondo or a kung fu teacher that was really good than a bad karate instructor so i would just say it's not really what art you're gonna pick it's just as long as it's the teacher is amazing because that's really all that matters so they play a huge role because they're they're shaping you for what would how long does it take i guess to achieve the the highest level in your in your art form uh, in, in the karate that I took, I think the highest is like 10th Dan, which is like your 10th degree black belt. Um, it takes a while, like 25, 30 years. It, really? it, it, yeah, it depends, you know, if you go through it properly. Um, cause like for when I did it, you would never give a black belt to someone who was under 18. Um, okay. it just, they couldn't technically go through the type of grading that like I, I went through when I was. I was 18 when I got my full black belt, 15 when I got my junior black belt. But like for instance, the first two hours of my black belt grading was me sitting in kneeling position, staring at a candle. And if I moved, I failed. Wow. And I, like an hour in, I couldn't feel my legs. And I thought like, am I going to ever feel my legs again? Like I couldn't feel my legs at all. And I was just like, and obviously it's a mental test to see like if you can get through this mentally, you can get through anything. And it's actually helped me in my life like any time something's hard i'm like oh i got through that this is easy the only thing that's top that was being a dad <laughs> i've always thought like oh my black belt grading nothing will get worse than that and the dad being a dad's the best thing in the world but like testing your patience i'm like that candle was nothing just oh my god but uh but yeah it's kind of how it went through with my black belt grading i had to sit through that and then it's two days of just a grueling like um in karate you do katas you guys may have heard but in the, J- the japanese style i do it you have to do bunkai which is the practical application to the movements so i would do the kata and then i'd have my karate instructors full out attacking me with a punch and if i didn't actually block it i'm getting smoked um so it teaches you 
in real life that okay you're gonna you need to know what it's like to get hit and someone attack you properly so you know what it's like to defend it so that's why i'd say it takes that amount of time because mentally i don't know if uh you know some may be good but like a 15 year old i don't know if they could sit and size off for two hours and mentally get through that and then just have other adults attacking them doing their bunkai and them taking that it's even at 18 it, it was hard so it's like a maturity thing essentially yeah you just and some people mature faster than others. Like I, I wasn't the most mature eighteen-year-old, but like I'm the type of person where like if I'm going to do something, I'm I'm not quitting. I'm just I'm going to get it done. And if I'm going to get my ass kicked, then so be it. So, <laughs> so you opened up. You became an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You opened up your own spot. Yep. And you ran that. What happened there? It was good. I had it for probably like two years, and then uh, the recession hit. Was it 2009? I the think 08 one. Oh eight, yeah. yeah. And uh, I had like 100 students, and then I lost 70 of them. And I had to just shut it down, but, you know, one door opens. Or one door closes, another opens type of thing in life. And at the time, I got an offer to be in uh, a film, just in a stunt role at the time. And uh, I was like, okay, let's, uh, let's try this out. And then that led to an acting role in the film, and then kind of propelled me into... I was doing modeling through the whole time um, that I was doing the karate school but i'd never done acting before properly and then i got an opportunity and took it so. and then you you went to hollywood is that where not right away i was planning on doing a little bit of acting in toronto and um i just i was about to do another movie after that one here then it kind of fell through and uh, things got a little stagnant and i was like it's, just, it's a funny story, but I, I watched Wolf of Wall Street, and I always try to take the positives out of movies, and I know it's a very negative movie in certain ways, <laughs> but I watched it, and... Um, Cinematically, it's a good movie. Yeah, but I, uh, even, like, the, the hustle, I liked, I was, even though they were doing it for the wrong reasons, I, like, really liked the hustle, and I remember going and watching Jordan Belfort's, like, straight line thing on YouTube after, and uh, he was talking about uh, your thermostat, how you've got to change your thermostat if you want to, like, grow in certain ways. And when I watched it, I was like, oh, yeah. Because he talks about, oh, how much are you okay making a, a month? And once you hit that, you'll just relax. At the time, I was like, oh, I am doing that. He's like, if you want to make a certain amount. And at the time, I was like, okay, I want to think like that. He's like, change your thermostat, and you're going to change the whole way you think. And um, I was like, okay, well, next year I want to make this amount. And then I first thing I thought was like, can I do that where I am and what I'm doing right now? And the most blatant answer was no. So I just looked at uh, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, and I was like, we're moving to LA in a month. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't care. You're quitting your job. We're getting <laughs> in our car and we're driving to LA. And that's that. And she's like, okay. And I called my friends and I'm like, yeah, I'm, see ya. I'm going to go to LA. And they're like, sure. And I'm like, like they, they knew that I probably would, but they're like, oh, I'll be back in a month. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not coming back. I'm going there to work and uh, love you guys, but I'll see you later. <laughs> And yeah, it, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how much money I needed. I like, I didn't have a lot of money. I think I had like $10,000 in my bank, packed up all my shit in my car and just went to LA and was like, there's no failing. I'm just gonna, just gonna do it. So. And what is that, what is that process like? Like when you get there, you like, unless you have something already lined up, you're showing up and then, and then what? Yeah. You hear these stories so often. It was, it was pretty it was nerve-wracking but i was like i didn't just have, i didn't have a doubt in my mind like i i remember packing up my old ford fusion with my dogs my my girlfriend and my wife and uh i ended up starting a um, management company down there called rogue management 
And since social media at the time was really kind of taking off for me, and it was at like the infancy of Instagram when um, the, the For You page, or was it the popular page, was mm-hmm. like the thing. And I remember going down there being like, okay, this is, I was getting on the popular page, I was getting like 15,000 new followers a day. It was ridiculous. I'm like, okay. I sniped um, a booker from a top agency, and I'm like, I want you to quit your job at the agency and be my personal manager. And she, and I, I just kind of like passed it by her. And then she called me the next day. She's like, I quit. I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 it was just an idea. Like, calm down. She's like, no, I already quit. I'm like, oh, God. I'm like, all right, moved to LA, let's go. So she moved as well, and I kind of started that, and uh, it did well. I, I ran that agency for about a year and a bit, and we had an office on Melrose. Um, and then uh, I learned that you can't always trust people, and it went south because of a business partner, and uh, I moved on to another thing. But yeah, it was it was it was nerve wracking because I just went down there, randomly applied for a small apartment right next to Runyon Canyon. I don't know if you guys have been to LA, mm-hmm. but it's like a famous run that you always do as a tourist. You go and you go to Runyon Canyon, um, and then yeah, I just stayed there and toughed it out and met some great people and kind of grew as an artist and as an actor and all that type of stuff so what's the what's what's the mentality have to be like for people who are thinking of doing that you just can't um you can't have a plan b okay if you have a plan b then you're gonna you're gonna have to do the plan b because if you anything in life um if you you know people always say like you got to believe in yourself i always say you got to know you, you just got to know, like, for instance, if you guys wake up tomorrow, do you think you're going to eat or do you believe you're going to eat or do you know you're going to eat? Mm-hmm. You know, you just, yeah. you just know. And when you just know things, that's how you get things because you visualize, visualize turns into something. And then you, if you know you're going to get it, you get it. So I've always thought like, I know I'm going to get it. I just don't care what it's going to take to get there. Obviously moral speaking, yes, of course I care what it takes, but as, like as hard work wise, or failure, I just don't care if I have to fail and fail and fail and fail because it's much scarier to be against someone who never gives up than someone who's actually talented because the person who never gives up will eventually win. Hard hard work is talent. Yeah, 100%. It's a Kobe thing. He talked about that a lot too. Well, he's also talented. Well, he sounds (laughs) very very talented. I think I remember hearing him once talk about how he wasn't, he even says, he said rather, that he was never the most talented person in the room, but mm-hmm. he was the hardest working person in the room, mm-hmm. and that he would all, his work ethic would always outwin anybody else for that reason. Yeah, same as Jordan, Michael yeah. Jordan. He yeah. did the same kind of thing. But yeah, that's it's true. You see the people that just don't give up; they'll always just they'll get there. But you've got to you got to know, and you've got to do the right things, and you'll you'll get there. So yeah, it's crazy. So you're in LA. Things are starting to pick up. Mm-hmm. You start to see all of this fame. How do you not let that get to your head? Especially when only a handful of years earlier, you were in the process of closing up your shop because of the recession. To be honest, when I started getting like a bigger following um, and like became international and stuff like that, um, it actually felt more humbling to me. Cause when I would have people that I didn't know come up to me and be like, Nick, Nick, can I have a picture? And like some people are shaking. I just never think I'm above anyone. But the other thing is I don't think I'm below anyone. So if 
homeless person was like, hey, want to talk to me? Of course, I'll stop and talk to the person. But if someone who thought they were like up there talked down to me, I'd be like, you're not above <laughs> me. Like everyone's equal. Everyone's got the you know, same mind if they can use it and apply it and be nice. Like I just, to me, it's about being nice to people. So for, you know, I went to India and when I landed there. There was like hundred people at the airport waiting for me, just screaming and following me. And I've just like blown away that, the nicest, sweetest people I've ever met. And just, I would stop and take my time to say hi and take pictures with whoever. Cause again, I'm no more special than them. I've just been lucky with where I was born, that my mother believed in me, that I got taught to follow my dreams and my mind, I utilized it, which every single person that I took a picture with could easily do that. So that's kind of how I think of it. So that's why I don't really let things get to my head because it's everyone's got the tools it's just can they use them so, so you're a firm believer that it's very much like every one of us has the ability to do good things or to do great things it's uh, just about doing them a hundred percent like how you apply it where you apply it yeah it's, it's your belief if you if you think you're going to do something like i said if you know you'll, you'll do it but you've got to like wake up be positive not give up it's you know all this typical stuff that you hear over and over again from you know motivational people but it, it is it is true you know a lot of people i know who have the potential just don't have the um the strength in their mind to take a rejection or you know or, or have negative like if you're constantly negative it's going to affect you and you're not gonna like i said i i truly believe everyone has that potential it's just can you convince yourself and train yourself to do the proper things to get to where it is because a lot of people believe in something and want a goal but then you realize what you have to do to get it a lot of people are like oh i don't want to do all that it's like no no, no you've you've got to actually take action to get to your goal you can't just be like oh i can't wait for this to happen it's like well what are you doing to do it and if people aren't doing anything but it's got to be um, habitual. It has to be like a routine. You can't just, you've got to make it a, a process where you're just doing it every day, every day. Um, the, the consistency is with everything in life. That's all I learned. Like karate, I got my butt kicked. I lost, I lost, I lost, I lost. 12 years, like 12 years old, I went to compete internationally and I lost. I didn't win a world title until I was 17. So I got my butt kicked nonstop for probably like five years, which most people would just be like, oh, not for me. I was like, no. I'm going to win it. it. It'll come. I'm just not, I'm going to be relentless. So I learned right there that if you're like that with anything, if you're just relentless and you learn, the main thing is you got to learn from mistakes. If you learn, you're relentless and you're consistent, you can do anything. In my opinion, I just, you just got to be relentless and not take no for an answer. And but it also has to be like something you're passionate about. Cause if you, if you don't like it, why are you even going for it anyway? Yeah. Yeah. If you wake up and you're like, oh, this again, it's like, no, no, no. Like sometimes it can be hard like that and you got to push yourself through it. But at the end of the day, when you think about that end goal, if it like sparks you inside, yeah, some days you might be a little more chipper about it than others, but just got to keep going. That's really cool. Yeah. I think, I think it's like one of those, <laughs> the consistency piece, I think resonates like every guest that we've had on so far. Mm talks about how no matter how hard it gets no matter how you know you wake up and you don't want to do it you don't feel like doing it you just you got to do it because you yeah. don't know what that next move will lead into mm -hmm. like just keep pushing at it one day i think it was carl wolf who had this analogy where he's like you're this close to a wall and you keep breaking down this wall and if you quit you could have been like this close from achieving that goal that you wanted to 
a hundred percent. You never know when it's gonna uh, gonna happen. Like I, it was funny. I was talking about uh, this on the way here with one of my actor friends. His name's Norman. So on the phone with him, and uh, we were talking about just career stuff like that. And I was like, "Oh, did you ever hear about uh, Dave Batista? His story where he was like, oh, I, wrestling was slowing down, and I was trying to get acting jobs for like two years, and it wasn't happening. So I was like about to sell my house and be like, oh, do I have to get a real job? And then he's like, the day before I post, was going to list my house to sell it, I got a call from my agent. They're like, you got Guardians of the Galaxy. You're like, they're, they're booking you. And I was just like, when I heard that, and I was like, that is crazy. Like, he was at the brink and then just got this call where it's like, and now he's great. Like, he was a, that role was made for him. It was, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's just, that's, that's a, a exactly a defined moment where it's like, don't give up, just keep going. And like, I even heard, uh, I saw on a, a late night show where John Krasinski uh, from The Office was mm -hmm. talking and he's like, oh, I moved to LA, I hated it, I was waiting tables and I was like, give it, my mom's like, oh, give it two years and you come home and after two years he got nothing and he was like, I'm gonna go home. And his mom was like, just give it a couple more months and then come home and he's like, oh, fine. And three weeks after that conversation he said that he got The Office. Mm. That's crazy. So it's like these moments that if you just, if they gave up, just even a couple weeks early, like we wouldn't have these amazing artists doing great things. So, um, yeah, I just, that's why it's weird, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a psycho in the way that like when bad things happen to me, I, I get excited because bad things are your guide's way of getting you in the right position to get better things. So anything that's like drastically happened to me that's been bad, it's led to something great. Can you give us an example? Yeah, this one's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> I was buying the house, my first house in LA, I was buying it. And um, where I was buying it, there was a forest, like a fire, a natural fire, like the 45 minutes away, for driving 45 minutes. And I was like, the, the mortgage, was like, we're not giving you the mortgage because of fire. And I'm like, excuse me? I'm like it's 45 minutes away. You would have to burn through like three cities to get to the house I'm buying. Like you need, like, come on, give me the house. And they're like, no, until the fire stops, you're not getting that house. So I, at the time, I'd packed up my entire other place. I was living in Hollywood, and it was all in boxes. So it was so stressful because the the, the seller was like, "Oh, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna pull the house. I'm gonna sell it to someone else because they're not giving it to you." I'm like, "They're not gonna give it to anyone because mortgages will not go through until this fire is done." And this guy was panicking um, for whatever reason. But long story short, we had to live in our apartment full of boxes and not move into the house thinking for two weeks we weren't gonna get this house me and my, my wife were just so stressed out we're just like oh my god this is such a bad situation and the very last day of the year like we spent christmas in boxes i go get the house to the deed da, da, da. three weeks later after we moving to the house um well four weeks we find out that she's pregnant mm. wow. and i was like whoa if we had been moving in we'd have been too busy to you know <laughs> And my son might not be here today. And I was like, it was such a stressful it's moment incredible. in my life. And I was just like, why is this happening to me? Like, why am I like losing this house? I already put all, like I've already sent the money for the house in and now it's in limbo. It's an escrow. I'm just like, why is this happening to me? And I just couldn't understand. It felt so like on Christmas night, we're sitting there. We're like, oh, let's just order pizza. Cause we we're so frustrated. And the pizza came and it was, they, they delivered the wrong pizza. I hate pineapple on pizza. There's oh, pineapple, whoa. all this stuff. And I, I was like, the pizza. I know it's, it's bad. So good, man. Yeah. It's so <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's another debate. It's uh, so good. But uh, no, they, they delivered the wrong pizza. I was just like, this is the worst Christmas have ever. You, have you had pineapple on pizza? I've tried it. it. Why I don't like it is the first time I ever had pizza. My mom made the mistake of giving me 
pineapple pizza. And I was just like, because I was like, I look at it as a sweet thing, and I'm yeah. like, uh, the la- I get that. When's the last time I had pineapple on pizza, though? I just, your, your palate is probably advanced now, so that you can get some real. You're right. You're right. It <laughs> might, might be, but I tried it, and I just don't know. It's it's not lying. People, some people love it. Some people, yeah. I love pineapple on pizza. I could probably. Yeah. You gotta give it another I, shot. Give it another shot, but yeah, uh, yeah. no rush. No rush. <laughs> no rush. It, yeah. It'll be here in forty or less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, that was uh, that was you know my son came out of a situation where I was like wondering why things felt so hopeless, and then it just and then even like the karate school shutting down, I was like, oh my god, this recession's here. I don't know what to do. I don't I don't have a karate school anymore. And then all of a sudden, I just went, and my buddy, at the time, I was down. He's like, oh, come to this uh, event that's happening. And when I went to the event, I met a producer who was really nice. And he's like, I like you. You know what? You're a good guy. Let, you, you do martial arts? Let's, let's, uh, let's put you in a stunt role. And I'm like, cool. And then I was, like, super thankful and jacked about it. And I'm just then, uh, out of nowhere, two weeks before he shot the film, he's like, you're still a lead acting role. Are you available? And I'm like... <laughs> of course yes he's like okay but you gotta audition for it so i went and did an audition and two hours later the director calls me and he's like you got the role and i was like blown away what was that feeling like it's really cool um very surreal the it was a it was like a canadian cult classic film called hobo with a shotgun <laughs> and uh still to this day probably the most fun i've had on set it's just it's a grindhouse style film. It's just blood, guts, gore. Yeah. Rudger Hauer playing a hobo. I played one of the villains. I was just like, it's one of those rare moments you get to have just tons of fun on a movie. And every line out of my mouth, I was screaming and mm. swearing. And yeah. the director Jason Eisner is just such a sweetheart. He's from the East Coast, and as you guys know, anyone from the East Coast, the nicest people oh, yeah. in the entire world. Halifax, like you'd probably hit your hit their car, and they'd be like, oh, sorry. <laughs> you hit my car you okay like yeah i'm good um but yeah so that's kind of how that happened from a bad thing where you think oh my karate school's done i don't know what i have to do for a job now and then something beautiful came from it so ever since then i just oddly get excited that something bad happens it's leading to something good it's a crazy way to think but it's my positive way I like it's all meant to happen in a certain way yeah yeah you know your guides will tell you what to do and if you listen to them and just yeah it's a weird way to think right something bad happens you're just like "Mm, all right it makes sense because it's ups and downs right just like when something's good when you're riding a highway we know something bad's gonna happen at some point yeah but you try not to think about it as much because you don't want to want that to ruin your yeah your high for example yeah same thing. So it's good to actually think. Okay, well, this is just. I'm just down here right now, but something's gonna happen because something always good happens when it's when it's yeah. when it's down here. So that's the, like I don't. I've never thought like that, but I like that. I like that mentality to think that way because it's it's true. Because when you're down, it's just all. You, it's it's easy to just think about being down and when mm-hmm. you are down, right? So think, oh yeah, okay, something's gonna come. Something's coming because has something good has to come. So yeah, yeah. no, it's it's fun. It's a fun way to think because it's just I'll be like, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll get in the down moment. I'll be like, oh what's going on? And then I'll be like, oh yeah, <laughs> all right, something's coming, like something fun's coming because, you know, I've almost booked like amazing roles that I'm like, oh, I want, um, like roles that I was like, oh, this would have been amazing. And then I was just like, oh, I wonder why I didn't get that. But I, I just trust in it. Like I trust the process. Like I've come so close to getting certain roles and not happen. And I'm like, okay. As an actor, you, you deal with a lot of rejection mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. And that type of thinking, that type of mentality must help you along the way, for sure. Yeah, no, you've 
you got to get used to it. 90% of the rooms you go and audition in, they're like, uh, thanks, bye. And you walk in, you're like, oh, God. I just, even when you, like, bomb the audition. But, like, even some, I'm like, I nailed that one. I think I'd get it. And then I'm like, you know, politics play, it's obviously in everything, but politics yeah. play a lot into booking movies and all that type of stuff. So. Can you tell right away as soon as you walk into an audition room whether the stacks, the, like, the odds are stacked against you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you usually can. Because a lot of the times these cast directors already have who they want in mind. And they're just doing their job. So they're like, okay, well, let's get a bunch of other people on tape just so we have backup just in case this person we offered it to mm. just says no or has a scheduling conflict. So like a lot of the times you could be in there doing the audition and nail it. But at the end of the day, they're like, you really know they already picked who the guy is. Right. Yeah. You're just kind of like the safety net. Um, but you got to keep putting yourself out there and doing it or you never know what's going to happen. So, What is it about acting in general that draws you to it? I liked it for a long time and I still enjoy it, but I'm starting to enjoy more like the production side of things um, and the entrepreneurial side. Like I love telling stories, but it's, it's not so much lately. I, I don't want to, I've held back from being in other people's projects. Like, of course, if the great one comes along, I will do it, but I've really wanted to like start producing my own stuff. Cause like in film these days, I feel like it doesn't have the same heart it used to. And I like, I mean, I just think everything's unfortunately becoming about money these days. Um, like you look at old films like planes, trains, and automobiles. They just like two guys trying to get home for the holidays. They just don't make movies like that anymore. Everything's got to have some like convoluted plot or something crazy. And I just like, I miss the heart in film. It just feels like everything's like, Oh, is it going to be a superhero movie? And I, again, I don't mind them, but I just miss like the very simple minded mm -hmm. style movies. And, uh, so like for me, I'm like, oh, I'd love to get to a point where I could produce films and give that old like nostalgic feel where it's like just a sim like one of my favorite childhood movies is The Sandlot. It's just about a ball that goes over a fence and these kids are trying to get it back. Like movies aren't like that anymore. There's always got to be some type of political plot or twist to it. Yeah. That just, you know, the movie's about friendship. And I just, I love those types of stories. So for me, I'm just, even horror films, like they're not making horror films anymore that I love. Like I just... You know, Jordan Peele's doing a great job of directing stuff, but I don't like movies where I have to go Google why and what happened to understand the movie. I just want to mm. like, I want to feel scared. Just, yeah, yeah. So, um, but no, like I, I still love acting, but I want to, I want to really pick the roles because I want to be passionate about it. Um, I've always wanted to do the role of Gambit for a long time. Um, he's the that's that, a dope role. It's a very cool role. Um, is it coming up? Is this the part where you tell us that uh, it's happening? I wish. Um, <laughs> but again, it could very well happen for me. It's like I, I don't ever count it out. Um, right now, I'm, I'm not sure if this is all real facts, but I've, what I've heard is like since the MCU bought the rights to um, all the Sony stuff like X-Men, mm -hmm. um, they have to finish a contract or something where they can only, if they decide to make an X-Men film in the next four years, um, they have to use the original actors that they use. Really? Interesting. Uh, again, I don't know if this is true or false, but I heard that probably on TikTok or something. Um, <laughs> in my mind, I was like, it's oh, true. five years. It gives me a little time to uh, practice an accent. And I actually released two short films for it, uh, one like two years ago and one like four years ago. And they did very well uh, with great feedback. Um, I think the one on uh, Facebook has like 20 million views and then the one on YouTube has like almost 7 million. Oh, very cool. Um, 
with nothing but great support from the comments, people being like, this should be a series, da, da, da. and that was kind of like my goal, because I saw that they were doing, obviously, the Disney Plus, they were doing like The Mandalorian, and they were yeah. doing uh, show spinoffs of all these types of things, and I was like, oh, maybe, like they were talking about Channing Tatum doing the movie, I was like, oh, if they, he does the movie, maybe I could do the the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if they did a Gambit uh, short form content show, I was like, oh, that'd be great. And like as a total fan of Gambit, I plan on doing uh, like Cajun dialect accent coaching so I can, because that's the only thing when I watch my short film, I'm like, got the bow staff down. <laughs> Acting, yeah, could be better. But the accent, I'm like, oh, I'm just like, no. You got to work on that. <laughs> well, I just, I, I was planning on getting a dialect coach before we shot this second film and they called me and they're like, oh, we, we have the funds to shoot it but we have to shoot it in two weeks. Oh, and I was, like, I was like, oh no. So I, I went and worked with like a coach for like a couple of weeks, but it's, it's hard. A Cajun accent mm. is so hard to get. Cause it's like, it's a Cajun Creole, but a little bit of French. And when I really went and watched like Creole Cajun speak, you can't understand a word they're saying. So it's hard. So I went and watched like the, um, the old comic book, like cartoon versions of Gambit. And mm-hmm. he, He's cringy. Mm. Like he talks in the third person and he's like, you know, hey, Rogue Gambit wants you to come over. Like it just, it's cringy. <laughs> so I was like, ah, all right, I'll, I'll go with that. Because <laughs> I feel like Gambit's cringy. Um, and then, yeah, I, I had fun with it. But yeah, that's kind of, those types of roles really interest me because that way, you know, I, I, I'll work on this accent. And then if the time comes where it's being cast, I just got to be, ready. I got to be ready. Be there, yeah, be ready. Yeah, because it's like the look, Gambit has very sharp features. I'd obviously, grow my hair out or put a wig on, whatever. But like his bow staff's his weapon, which I have four world titles in. Like it was, and he's a tall, lean, slender guy. I was just like, this is. It's like they drew me. Mm. I just need to be prepared when the time's right to uh, to bounce. So. And how do you, like, how do you? I guess I've always been curious about this. How do you even know that the opportunity for the role is available? How does that process work? Is it your agent that's just constantly keeping you in the know? Or you won't. You just gotta. They might not ever make a Gambit film. You never know. But if they were to make one, hypothetically, like it would become public knowledge. These right. comic book fans are insane. Right. It's something slips through the cracks. Someone like farts the word Gambit. They're like, "What? Oh, there's a Gambit. We have an And then all these little fans get online and they'll they'll leak it. Like when they heard that Channing Tatum might get it, um, it was everywhere. And I didn't think, I think he's a good actor. I just don't think that it, he looks the part. But I remember watching the, was it The Hateful Eight with, uh, the, same, uh, with the Quentin Tarantino movie? Mm-hmm. And as soon as he came on screen and started talking, I was like, that's Gambit's voice. <laughs> and I could tell he was working for Gambit and that was his voice that he was going to use as Gambit. And I was like, it's spot on Cajun. And he, he killed it. Like, I didn't like that specific movie of Quentin's, but I could tell that Channing was working on his accent. I was like, all right, that was good. That was good. But like, for me, I don't picture the way he looks as Gambit. Like Keanu's a little old, but I think Keanu Reeves would be a really, Keanu would have been, would have been a yeah. dope Gambit. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. So, um, the acting aside for a moment, mm-hmm. you're now back in Toronto. Yep. What I want to know is, do you have to, as a Canadian artist, go to the States to make a career? At the time that you went, I think it's easier to say, yes, you had to be in, in Hollywood. You had to be in LA. But today, 
do you need to be in LA for you your career to grow? You don't need to be, but I would say that probably should go spend a little time there. Just network. Like it's, it's important to network and get your face in front of certain people. And it's just a weird rhetoric where it's like, Oh, you're from Toronto. They're like, yeah, like a lot of places like to cast out of LA. It's that weird thing. It's like, Oh, you're from LA. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Uh, I, w- I would say, yeah, it just, if it, it definitely helps, you can definitely make a career in Toronto I'd say it has been done many times before, but if, if you want to fast track, you know, all the, a lot, it's still a lot of the stuff gets made there. It, it can get casted anywhere now, thanks to zoom and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I would, I would still say if an actor is looking to propel their career, I would, I would definitely go to other markets and meet the cast directors and put the work in and, you know, try acting classes there or whatever. Like if I was a younger and I wasn't married and had kids, stuff like that, like I might go even to like the UK because I don't know what's in the water there, the acting classes, but those actors are insane. Mm-hmm. You look, they're dominating everything. Like Tom Holland is yeah. British. And the number of times that once they get into an interview and you're like, I didn't even know. Yeah, yeah. you know, like <laughs> uh, Aaron Johnson, like with the guy who played Kick-Ass. Yeah. I was just like, he's got this like deep British accent. And I was like, what like every <laughs> yeah. time i heard him his kick ass he had yeah. this like really like you know yeah. teenage innocent voice and then he's like yeah i'm just uh my i'm doing down there doing that i'm like whoa what the yeah. yeah so but yeah all these british actors are just phenomenal so i was just like oh you're gonna go to acting class and maybe go down to <laughs> the uk <laughs> but uh yeah no i would say definitely if you're an actor and you're trying to it's just it's playing the game networking's super invaluable like like i said I didn't go to that one party that night. I would never been in that movie. Mm-hmm. It just, you, you meet the right people sometimes and you, you get chances and opportunities, but you've got to be there and take risks to, to get those chances. Is there a trick to them, to the networking part? Because it just seems like, see, I always look at these kinds of things as if you're the person that's being schmoozed, you know why that person is talking to you. You know, they want something. Uh, a lot of the times, anytime you go to these places, someone does want something, especially yeah. in Los Angeles. So you got to be guarded. Um, I've been lucky that anywhere I've gone, pretty straight shooting guys. So people are like, "How you doing? Who are you?" I'm like, oh, "I'm Nick. What do you do?" Oh, he's a martial artist, and I'm doing acting now. And anyone that's ever like looked at me, I've, I feel like they've been like, "Yeah, not the one. I'm not gonna mess. Like I've just been lucky. No one's really messed with me or given me a hard time." So. Um, I think maybe be the Canadian thing. So a lot of times Canadians are just like straight shooters. They'll, they'll speak their mind and it's gotten bit me in the butt a couple of times where I'm just like, <laughs> I really don't care if I feel a certain way. I'm just going to tell people and it's I just brutal honesty, but like I love brutal honesty. I like people being brutally honest with me because it's like even my friends. I'm like, if you do something that bugs me, I'm not going to be like, yeah, hey, yeah. Fake and like smile at you. I'm going to be like, the hell was that? Yeah. Like, what do you, what do you do? Like, and I'll just, I'll call them out on it. Like, so yeah, no, it's when you're networking, you'll, it took me a while to learn even in LA because in Canada, everyone's a little more genuine and not as much reason to like smooth you up. But right. you go to LA in the first three years, there's a bunch of people that I was like, that's a nice person. And then uh, mm. after a year or so, I'm like, hmm, no, like I didn't gotta really, watch out for that. Yeah, person. you gotta, the one major thing that I noticed, and again, I never like talking bad about anyone, but I've noticed it consistent with people that, you've got to stay away from is if um, you meet someone and then you get to know them and they have no old friends. Okay. None. If, 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 you know, go to the birthday party and you're just showing support and there's not one friend there and you're like, 
you feel bad, but every time that I've ever gotten to be a friend with someone in LA, then again, I'm, I'm a nice guy and not better than anyone. So I just show respect. And every time I'm like that someone turned out to be not the best person. It was that case. I never met anyone else who was like fond of them or had good friendships with the people that I met that always surrounded by great people and just have like, you can just kind of tell that. So that was my major red flag that I learned that I'm like, if I, you meet someone and they're always alone and they have no good friends, but they're just a smooth talker. It's like, uh, just be, be cautious. Mm. So, Interesting. Yeah. So you're a father. Mm. You moved back to Toronto because you wanted to raise your kids here. Yeah. What's that process like going from you're in LA, you're building an acting career and then you talked about a little earlier the the mental patience and the, the the mental strength of dealing with adversity, and then that doesn't compare at all to having children. As a father, what are some of the things that you've now learned? You just realize real quick when you become a parent that uh, you don't matter anymore. Hmm. Like you do, but you're second. So like your kid, they're babies, they're infants, they don't know what's going on. Like you, you have to be there to take care of them. So like for me, I just learned real quick. It was like all that hard work that I was doing that I wanted to, if I had say an audition or something and you know, I needed to be there for my kid. I was just like, nah, I want like, I had offers for jobs where I'd had to leave my kid or like go away and shoot for six months. And I was like, no, not doing it. And I was just, I don't know, I'm the type of person where now that I'm a dad, I want to really be there for my kids, be involved. Like the first five years of a kid's life is mm. so detrimental. Like it's so important for their growth and their personality and everything. And I just don't want to be one of those dads that isn't around. So I remember being in LA and just thinking, all right, well, if I don't, if I'm not going to accept anything, that's going to tie me up for a while. And all of my family's back in Canada and my friends and it's safe. I'm just, like yeah that's the right move and if the right thing comes along that's worth being away from my children for then 100 percent i'll do it but it's gotta be really worth my while because to take me away from my kids i gotta be special and to me like those those few first years are so precious like they're they're hard like, i don't get i don't sleep past 7 a.m and and most people are like oh i do that every day but like it doesn't matter if i'm on a vacation I mean, my wife were on a date and we were in a hotel. Seven and we're both like, <laughs> what do we do now? Like, you just, you've got this like parent Snap clock. Up, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you're, then with two kids, it's just, yeah, I just never thought I'd clean up this much poo. Like, it's just, <laughs> just one's eating, another's pooing, peeing, pooing, eating, eating, pooing. And it's just like a constant thing. And there's juggling. And my wife's like, oh, let's have another one. I'm like, no, we're not being outnumbered. We're not being outnumbered. Um, <laughs> But no, it's 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 a beautiful thing being a parent. It's and it's hard because having patience with a child who can't speak and is just putting you to your limit. You're just like breathe, and you just get through it. Like I, some of the days, my me and my wife would wake up, look at each other, and be like, "They're not beating us today. <laughs> They're not. Be We're gonna win today. We're gonna win. We're not gonna let us like get stressed out." And I just some days you know, kids will be kids and locked up and it's mm -hmm. just, it's hard, but it's, uh, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that I was around for these beginning years. Cause you know, once a kid gets five, six years old, they get some independence, they can kind of know who they are a little bit and start to do sports and this, uh, mm -hmm. and you don't really need to be that. Mm -hmm. You obviously need to be hands-on, but not as like hands-on as the, the beginning stages. So yeah, I'm just enjoying being a dad. 
my one son, uh, Chase, is four years old, just turned four, and Theo is about to turn nine months old. Wow. Yeah. Oh, the Theo's brand, oh, brand new. Brand new. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, he's really cool. He's hilarious. He's the funniest baby. Uh, I just, I'm thankful, knock on wood, um, he's the easiest baby I think I've ever seen. Like, Chase was a decent baby, like, easy. Theo, at six months, sleeps through the night. Barely cries. Like, bare, like you know when you wake up a baby, you just feel like, ah. I'll walk into Theo's room, still to this day, and he'll, in a dead sleep, and he'll pop his head up, like one of your bros who was, like, hung over and look at me and be like, hey, what's up? And I'm just like, what? Like, this is crazy. He's like a little kid. He just looks at you like he knows what's going on. Like, you'll look at him, and he'll be like, like, give you faces, like, dude you're a baby how are you like giving me like eyebrows yeah. and like you know these like looks like i'll be in a bad mood and i'll catch him staring at me looking at me like you're gonna be fine relax <laughs> so it's he's just calming you down yeah he's <laughs> calming me down and it's just a night and day from chase chase is like a really young spirited soul like i feel like theo's an old soul and chase is a young soul but like chase is so like happy about life where theo's just like locked in mm. he just like looks at you and like he just knows what's going on so it's it's, it's funny but yeah it's uh it's hard being a parent, so I definitely respect parents out there and like single mothers, like they're the ultimate heroes. I just can't believe that like my mom raised me alone and any time I see like a mom anywhere that's like alone with kids, I'm like, they're superheroes, man. Cause like I help my wife, like we're 50-50 with, the, with our kids, but to, I couldn't imagine if she was alone. Like it's so hard juggling a kid and like as a parent they'll lose their identity they have no time for themselves so these moms will just like all day kid 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 and the second the kid goes to sleep they get to sleep a little but the second they're awake it's all about the kid again so it's like these you know like i never knew like what postpartum depression was and i always thought like oh it's weird because like they have the baby now why are they depressed and i was like oh it's depressed because they're losing a part of themselves they like they're losing their identity like they have no time for themselves at all they're literally just every waking moment it's about the baby so I was like, wow, it, it made me have a large perspective for how incredible any single part, single dad or single mom, but it's just, yeah, it's an incredible experience. Because I don't think a lot of men think about that from that perspective. Mm -hmm. I've never heard, I've never personally heard it spoken that way. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot of work. Any, any parent out there listening knows what I'm talking about. It's, it's not easy being a parent. So, um, and doing it alone, it's just, again, you got to feed them. You got to change them. You got to make sure they're right. Sometimes you'll be like, "Oh, I forgot to eat today." Holy, it's uh, but it's all worth it. It's it's great. Yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Anything else coming up? Anything new? Yeah, like um, I am. When I came back here, I was kind of like, "Oh, what do I want to transition to?" I had a couple ideas, but um, I'm actually been working on a brand for the last couple of years in my head but when i came back here about a year ago i started working on it like fully and um it's a it's a balm and i've used it for the last like five years and it's a fragrance and it's it's like an all organic balm that i put in my beard and my hair balm b-a-l-m b-a-l-m yeah you said bomb the first one so B -O -M -B. I. I i'm like, like bomb well, let's see, like, let's oh. see where this goes yeah uh, <laughs> b-a LM. Bomb, bomb. Bomb, okay. yeah. Um, so I, everywhere I went on movie sets or whatever, people would be like, all right, who smells good? And I'd be like, oh, is it me? And then they'd be like, oh, wow, that smells amazing. I'd go to events and I'd talk to people because it's loud, you'd lean in. And they'd be yeah. like, oh, wow, what is that? All my f guy friends were like, 
what is that smell, dude? Mm. Let me steal it. And now they all use it. And I was just like, hmm, it's my secret weapon, but maybe I should turn it into a, a product and share it with people. So I spent like 15 prototypes getting like the perfect smell of what I was wearing for a while. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm launching it in like two weeks. Nice. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So I've been doing all like the campaigns and the ads and all the marketing and getting it ready. Um, but most of all, making sure that like the product is amazing and, uh, yeah, I'm so excited about it. It's, uh, it's been fun. Cause I think it's a, it's a product that I religiously wear. Like I wear it every day. I'm wearing okay. it now. You believe in it. Yeah. I just, it changed. Like it's weird to say, but it's almost like my, a part of my identity. Like I, when I walk in a room, I like smelling good, but smelling natural and not smelling overbearing. Yeah. So, um, anytime I'd walk on a movie set or somewhere, people would always be like, I, mean, yeah. I like that. I like that kind of, yeah. that power move where you walk in. Cause this, the strongest sense someone has, anyone has is smell. Mm -hmm. stronger than sight hearing everything smells your strongest sense so you walk into a room and you smell good and it's right off the bat a great starter for mm -hmm. perception and power and all that stuff very so, cool yeah you gotta let us know when that's out probably in like six days six days yeah like i'm okay. i'm finalizing the website i was planning on launching it a couple of days ago um but i had a hiccup with shopify <laughs> i'm not a coder and i was like <laughs> i'm trying to do everything myself and i would Come on, Shopify. It's supposed to make this easy. <laughs> <laughs> they may, for the most part, they do. But I was just like, there's certain things I'm like, I can't do it, so I have to uh, hire like a coder to help me. So I was like, I, I just one of those people. I'm a perfectionist, so I wanted everything yeah. to be uh, to be perfect before I launch it. It's it's called Spades, Spades brand. So very cool. Yeah, um, that's kind of one thing I'm working on, and then I'm working on other like scripts and production stuff, um, and investments. Um, took me a while to be like a type of invest like i never cared about investments until randomly like a year and a half ago and i was like oh I should probably start being smarter with my money mm. and learning because i'd like watch my friends who are don't have social media like i do and don't have a following and don't do entertainment stuff and uh they are making a lot of money and i'm like they're just doing this off investments yeah. i'm like okay i gotta i gotta start paying attention here what the heck's going on because uh, there's a lot to learn and I could uh, definitely missing out. So those are the kind of things that I'm kind of trying to focus on now. Entrepreneurship, investments, real estate, you know, all that old people stuff. Uh, <laughs> all that adult stuff. Yeah, all that adult adult adulting stuff. is hard. Yeah, <laughs> adulting is hard. But uh, it gives you the means to do what you want because once you can get successful in those situations, then uh, I can produce my own movies. Yeah, Absolutely. I can, I can have my own budget. I can have a slate. I can go shoot my movies, put if I want to be in that or put other actors in it, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. Amazing. Yeah. So my question is, I said a couple of times that you want, wanted to produce movies and then mm -hmm. you're talking about every, uh, earlier about knowing. So is it, do you know you're going to produce a movie or do you just want? It's, no, it's, I know. There we go. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you always say want to, but, um, you know, you're going, like you're going to, it's going to happen. It's yeah. Those things like no other option. Yeah, no, it yeah. Just, it's, I'm going to do it. I just don't know when. Yeah. Um, like the, it's, I, I've said this before too in other interviews, but my, one of my idols is Forrest Gump and I always liked him because he just blindly went into things, but did it with his heart and did it the best and became like the best ping pong player, like mm -hmm. got the medal yeah. of honor, anything he did, he just did with his heart and just with blind, like not giving up when he run, he ran and just, I just like that mentality. I, I don't like, um. I don't like labeling people's things. You know, people are like, oh, what do you do? I'm an actor. I'm a model. I'm a producer. It's like... Puts you in a box. 
anyone. I don't think anyone's anything. I would never call anyone anything. You can change what you do and try to do it. And just, it's all about what makes you happy. Like to me, whenever like, you know, it's like 11, 11, make a wish or stuff like that. I always wish for the same thing. It's just to be happy. Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't care if, if what's making me happy today, um, doesn't make me happy in two weeks. I'm not going to keep doing it. Like I just, uh, I'm that type of person where if I wake up one day and I'm like, I don't like this anymore. I'll just, I'll stop. Um, but that's why a lot of people are unhappy because they don't have the awareness to see if they even like a passion that they might not like anymore. Like most martial artists I know, even my karate instructor, like they still do martial arts. And not saying they shouldn't, but like my time for martial arts ended and I'm so thankful and appreciative what it did for me. But would I, would I want to do it again right now? No. That's like another chapter. I'd like, why would you want your life to be one story about one thing when it could be every chapter something different mm. and cool? Like this chapter martial artist, this chapter model, this chapter actor, this chapter music producer, this, like it's, I want to try everything. Like yeah. why stick to one thing? And why, yeah. yeah, like you could do so much fun stuff to do in this world and it's the most accepting time to do it. Yeah. Um, so why not do it? Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Sir? Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Good chatting with you. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to watch your journey. Oh, we all have fun journeys ahead. <laughs> Honestly, like I said, you believe in it, you're going to get it. That's, 100%. I, I have so many friends that are great, positive thinkers. You just got to surround yourself with positive people because if you do, it just lifts you up. And that's the unfortunate thing. Some people are really good people, but they're negative, and that can drag you down. So, Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah. Nick Bateman, everyone. Thank you.